Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Daily Objective for a very special Christmas broadcast. That's right. We're here. It's Christmas Day here in America. I guess it's Christmas evening by now, the day after Christmas Eve in England. And uh, if you're watching in Australia, then obviously Christmas is old news by now. But uh, we're going to be talking about how um, Jeff Bezos and the digital corporations in general saved Christmas. I mean, we're, we're going to look at this from various angles. You know, for me, Christmas, uh, growing up in Israel, uh, obviously Christmas is not like the biggest deal over there, but I got to see a little glimpse of it in movies, mostly movies and TV shows uh, like Home Alone 2 comes to mind. Very, uh, very much a Christmas movie. And, um, and uh, when I moved to the U.S., it was actually just around this time of year. It was the tail end of 1996. I was about to turn 10 years old. And the first thing I did when I moved to America was I stayed with a relative of mine for about three weeks. And they had a television set, which any chance I got, I was watching. And so I was watching my morning cartoons, afternoon cartoons, sitcoms in the late afternoon and evening, if I could get away with that. And, uh, you know, it was December time. So you had a lot of Christmas themed stuff from the content of the programming to the um, uh, advertisements and the special messages from the network itself, you know, from the Dubba Dubba WB. You kids are too young to know about that. But before there was UPN, there was the WB channel. Um, speaking of WB, since today is a Jonathan Honig day, I brought a visual aid. It's the Animaniacs Complete Series. It was, uh, it was on TV at that time, and I was watching it. A lot of the humor and the satire, it, it was like meant for adults. Like a, a child can't really follow it, but a child can still extract something from it. Abstract something from it. So, uh, the, yeah, Christmas was definitely uh, emphasized in a lot of the programming, and I thought it was just cool. It was like a holiday, like sort of like its Jewish uh, equivalent, Hanukkah, also a sort of uh, religious holiday at root, which became commercialized. But um, we should have had a, a an episode about Hanukkah. Maybe uh, maybe next season we can have the Greek, you know, giving his side of the story and have Razi on here, maybe even Jonathan. But um, but anyway, uh, Hanukkah obviously had a very religious uh, emphasis the way it was certainly marketed to myself. But now Christmas to me, all I could see was just celebration, toys, fun, just people on earth living for today, celebrating the day, the here and now with selective people who they uh, enjoyed uh, being around, who they selected to be in their lives. And uh, I remember, you know, on the Thanksgiving episode, I showed you my Pinky and the Brain comic book from back in the day. I remember the Pinky and the Brain Christmas special. It was on TV. Uh, it's sort of a, um, uh, what do you call it? A spinoff of Animaniacs. Uh, they, they had a Christmas special. I don't remember any of it. I don't remember anything that happened. I just remember it rocked my world and it in inspired me in a way that I'm still sort of um, fueled by to this very moment. So um, the, the message is, if you're religious, do not have a TV anywhere near your child because um, it may allure them in, in ways that you did not intend. Uh, and the other message is, you know, Christmas is a holiday for living on Earth. It is a modern holiday. I know we've spoken about this in previous episodes. Of course, it has a religious sort of backdrop. And before that, a pagan backdrop that the Christians sort of appropriated. But ultimately, the reason we're talking about Christmas 
the reason that Christmas is, is something more than just a, a uh, you know, a mass, a, a, an evening mass where you eat a wafer or whatever it is that they do. It's because it's a commercialized celebration of abundance. It is a time to, uh, to say, I love you. That's a song, isn't it? Christmas is a time. Some of, you know, I don't quote Dennis Prager often, but I've heard him say uh, some of the, some of the most memorable Christmas songs were written by Jewish people, you know? And uh, I hate to look forward to a gloomy future, but I think the, the, the way that conservatives are moving now with the rise of the sort of, I guess, the new right, we'll call them the paleoconservatives, I think that they are going to uh, renounce Christmas at some point. They're going to say Christmas is, you know, it should not be celebrated other than maybe going to <clears throat> mass at, at midnight. Excuse me, I'm losing my voice. You're just thinking about the gloom that lies ahead. And I think that when the alt-right rejects Christmas, I think they're going to call it a Jewish holiday, by which they will mean it is a capitalist, you know, commercially driven, uh, pagan, whatever. It, it is a materialistic type of holiday. Now, I don't like the word materialist, but I do like uh, capitalist. It is a capitalist holiday. So uh, us pagans, let's say, us who, are, uh, who celebrate life on earth, those who, of us who uh, embrace nature and uh, obey it and in order to command it, those of us who appreciate living on earth should embrace the commercialization of Christmas and take inspiration from it. Now, we're going to talk about uh, this very unique Christmas this year. This is the first Christmas in recent memory where a pandemic was keeping many of us at home and also forcing legally forcing many businesses to remain closed and out of business, often going out of business. And the digital uh, economy, let's say, the, the industry of mailing stuff to you that you order online, those guys, the Amazons that are out there, they've uh, already been sort of replacing the retail shop in recent years and decades. But now this year, they definitely um, benefited from the situation as is the case when you have people pursuing the good life, when you have people producing. Productive people benefit as much as they can in any situation. So um, we're going to talk about, uh, is there any guilt that comes with them benefiting from, I'm not just going to say the pandemic, but the fact that the government is forcing retail shops to close and then you know Amazon is clearly reaping the benefits of that. Should they feel bad or should they say, hey, it's not our fault. I did not choose this. Um, we did not force these retail, retail shops to close. And um, that's a good question. So let's introduce a guy who, now this is a guy who, uh, he's just got Christmas uh, written all over him. He's got a red tie. It's no coincidence, folks. He's, got, he's a walking Christmas tree. He, he's got books behind him that um, are like a Christmas, a Christmas morning to us um, bibliophiles. Those of us who love words, he <laughs> written the written word on paper. Let's welcome him now that I'm done with my 10 minute monologue. The man, the myth, the Santa Claus of this very program, Jonathan Honig. Ho, ho, ho. Thank you, Rook. I'm happy to be with you. Actually, I have some of my real, real Christmas gifts, even better than the books that I, I'm eager to share uh, with you and, and, and eager to get into this really interesting idea, not only just of Christmas. And I loved what you said about the materialism of Christmas and and we say that in a real value promoting way, and we'll talk a bit about that, but also the uniqueness of this Christmas and how, as you said, Jeff Bezos, and I think we, by Jeff Bezos, we mean, you know, let's just say 
big tech retail writ large have have saved Christmas. Are they are they taking advantage of it? They've saved it, in my opinion. And you know, I'm gonna break. You you remember Godwin's law? Don't compare anything, basically, the World War II or the Holocaust. But it just got me thinking in the context of these lockdowns, as you said, where so many stores are literally unable to open. And those of us who would want to shop at those stores are unable to get, oh, I don't know, Christmas gifts for people we love. I mean, to me, this reminds me so much of, you know, the Berlin airlift, if you will. I mean, uh, the UK right now is in what they call a tier four lockdown. I mean, it's it's quite severe. It is forcing businesses left and right, and obviously here in the States, uh, to shut. And um, as I said, it just reminded me of the, the Berlin airlift because, you know, during the Berlin airlift, basically the allies flooded this small section of Berlin with everything the people there needed to survive. They took off a, a plane every 30 seconds, 300,000 flights. Um, Amazon does a million and a half packages a day. And think of what they're doing. They're saving Christmas. They're delivering all the goodies, all the, the, the value producing, uh, you know, uh, material things that you know, bring a little cheer to our life, especially this time of year. So the thing about Amazon that you know has always struck me is that they're enemy number one these days, aren't they, uh, Rucka? It's like they're to blame for everything from supposedly putting the small businesses out of business to monopolizing everything else. You know, look at when you look at Amazon's logo, and you know I have a huge collection of these, as I'm sure everyone else does. I mean. The, the logo is a smile for a reason because careful a million not, and careful, a, sorry, careful not to show your address. Uh, I don't want to see that. It's, it's a million, you know, a million and a half times a day, a million and a half times a day. They are completing a trade, you know, for us as objectivists, I mean, trade is how you deal. So they're putting people together for a mutually beneficial transaction a million and a half times a day, even during the pandemic. Um, in fact, Amazon has had its biggest a season to date, obviously, as you said, I think largely due to the pandemic. Um, now it's benefiting Amazon, but it's also benefiting, you know, for me, business is business, small versus large, but people say oh, it's putting small businesses out of out of work. Well, the average small business actually makes about $90,000 a year from selling on Amazon. So we think of Amazon as this, you know, monolith that controls everything. I think of it as an exchange where you can go to buy, you can go to sell, you can go to trade. Um, 1.9, this is just in the US, but almost 2 million US small businesses sell on Amazon. They make almost 100 grand US a year. That's pretty good money for any business, let alone a small business. Um, and the growth has obviously just been dramatic. I pulled up just a, a few quick charts. Um, you know, this is sales in the UK. And, you know, the leftists and even some on the right, as you said, Rucka, the, the conservatives these days, they would say, Something's wrong here. I see a company making a lot of money. Money. I mean, what I think we see is, wow, this is amazing. They're satisfying more and more people. The, you know, the more sales Amazon makes, the more people are getting their values fulfilled. They're, they're getting their Christmas gifts delivered, if you will. And here in the US, another amazing chart, 50, 56% of American households are going to be voluntary customers of, of Amazon Prime. Um, so you get big by delivering value. Amazon does that every day. It's improved every day. And it's especially important. You know, they want to make Jeff Bezos the Grinch. Jeff Bezos is Santa Claus. He is Santa Claus. And uh, so many of my gifts, which I have opened this season, came from him. And I salute him and thank him. 
Absolutely. Um, you know, I don't remember which previous episode it was, but I spoke about, I think we were talking about the enlightenment and I said, basically, um, people realize like, we don't need God. We don't need God to give us heaven. We can achieve it here on earth by, you know, again, obeying nature in order to command it by developing the scientific method and producing and trading and solving problems on earth. Um, and, and also in morality, we don't need God. We can figure out what is the rational course of action, which also brings about happiness. I mean, we, we basically can replace God with the enlightenment and it's, uh, I think, greatest uh, modern advocate, Ayn Rand. Now, uh, it strikes me as we're talking about this, and uh, I think Mary Aline in the chat room says, God bless Santa Jeff, referring to Jeff Bezos. We don't need Santa anymore either. Isn't that uh, kind of cute? We know we don't need Santa Claus. We don't need to write him and tell him how good we've been and ask him for stuff. We've got Amazon delivering it to us sometimes within an hour of writing and being good means having money means producing and attaining money of course we, we would like to get to a state of the world where basically the only people who have money are people who have produced something or someone who did produce chose to give it to them whereas today unfortunately there are people with money who either have it by government favor or uh by some other dishonest means um so uh, isn't that nice? You know, Santa yeah. Claus is another mythological figure. I mean, he's also modern. He's a development of commercialization. So it's like he was always kind of a joke in, uh, uh, when he's been emphasizing the culture. But we don't really, as, I guess, as we grow from children into adults, we can, we can realize we don't even need Santa. You know, we, we've got Jeff Bezos. Yeah, I mean, and, 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 you know, often it's said, you know, well, you buy your trinkets or oh, you globalists just want to get cheap shit from, Am from China on Amazon, like there's something wrong with that. And, you know, yeah, you certainly get a lot of fun stuff, but you also get a lot of values as well, especially during the pandemic. I mean, I've, I got masks around here, like my whole house is decorated with, you know, these PPE, people get that on Amazon. In fact, you know, something I saw a stat, 70 or 80% of Americans just use Amazon, for example, as a price comparison tool. So the values, the, the tremendous values created by companies allowing people to come together to trade, to buy and sell, it's, it's tremendous. I mean, and as you said, miracles, you know, um, uh, uh, Rucka, um, do, do you know what Panatone is? I don't. I didn't either. But then I saw a very attractive woman on the Food Network named Giada De Laurentiis, who taught me all about Panatone. And... A couple days ago, I was like, you know, I'm not doing anything this Christmas. Everything's closed. Like, you know, Chiatan. So I, I ordered. It's basically challah meets fruitcake, but bread, but more caloric. Anyway, as you can see, I, I finished it. Amazon ships this to me somehow from Italy to my house for like $20 in two days. That's a miracle. That's a friggin' miracle to me. I mean, it's so, as you said, I mean, it's a we don't need God anymore because man can create miracles day after day after day. How about Topo Gijo? Is it Topo Gijo? No, Topo Chico. Another one. Like I go to Texas a lot. For those of you in the UK, it's a state in the United States. I'd say pretty. You've had a lot of fun there, Rucka. I know you said you've enjoyed Texas. Oh yeah, I like. I'm a fan. Have you ever had this? Is like this very cool bottled water there regional hard to get here in illinois like amazon it's a miracle they can get it to my house not a lot of money 
And if we can only that get that type of innovation in healthcare, in education, every time Amazon gets in a new business, I say, it's awesome. Um, because it's not just for the, the junk, if you will, either, Rock. I mean, you know, I, I have a, I'll say a family member who's been ill. And the other night at like eight or nine o'clock at night, we needed, let's just say we needed a turkey baster and the, the family member was a dog. But the point being is that Amazon was able literally to deliver it the same day, didn't have to leave the house. You know, these are value producing, amazing entities and our governments make them publicly and public enemy number one. And it's friggin' disgusting. Yeah, the government. And of course, we live in a representative democracy, as uh, as a viewer reminded me in the chat room a few days ago, as opposed to just a democracy. But the point here being a representative, we have a representative government. So we, we do get the politicians we ask for. They run, they they grow up in our neighborhoods. They go to our schools. They run on the platform that they know will be likely to win. And then we vote for them. We meaning not myself and Jonathan, but the people who the majority of people who put them in office. So we get the politicians we ask for. So remember, whenever we speak of the government, we're really talking about the culture. Um, so it's not like us versus politicians. They represent us. Let me ask you a question that was on the chat. You know, mm -hmm. some people are saying, look, we 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 appreciate Amazon, but they should be speaking out against the lockdowns that are shutting down small businesses. Mm -hmm. I was you, actually going to ask you that question. What do you think? But I mean, it's it's fair to you to ask me all the same. Um, do 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 businessmen owe anybody? Do they owe us their opinion because they're in the public light, or or is it just because they're successful they owe it to sort of quote the sort of uh, kind of um, egoistic equivalent of quote giving back, where like you've you've succeeded and now you owe it not like you sort of justice calls for you to use your platform and some of your money perhaps to promote the truth. I think that's for them to decide. I can totally, absolutely respect. I, I would love to see the next Jeff Bezos be just an unapologetic capitalist who is using every ounce of his uh, energy and treasure to promote the morally good and say capitalism or death. However, at the same time, I don't really demand it of them necessarily. But I mean, this is a an ethical question, I think, to ask a moral philosopher. But I will say, I mean, considering the value we're getting from someone like Jeff Bezos, I mean, of course, he's doing it selfishly. But considering how much his selfish actions are benefiting me and you and the world and raising our standard of living, it hardly seems appropriate that I should be condemning or like criticizing him. He's a giant. Um, I, there's a list of thanks I owe him before sort of asking him if, hey, maybe do you think you could uh, use some of your platform to to criticize the government action. But I mean, his job is to s deliver goods to my door. His job is not to spread any philosophy that we do live in a division lab of labor society, uh, which is to say a human society. We, we do divide labor. So I don't I don't necessarily see it as the job of a businessman to uh, advocate any particular philosophy. But I would like to see us live in a world where that does happen more frequently. And there's a few brave businessmen who do. I mean, you know, I have a lot of issues with Elon Musk. I, I don't invest in his companies, but he here in the United States has been, been pretty outspoken on not just the impracticality of lockdowns, and we're seeing that in the UK. I mean, Rucka, it's, it's really tragic when you see these small business uh, people, you know, put out of business by this totally arbitrary lockdown. It really is heartbreaking. Be, uh, 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 Musk has spoken out against that. I salute him for that. 
And Be- Bezos, and I believe it is Bezos, I have a lot of empathy for him because you know, he's been the target of government. People say Amazon benefits from government. He's been the, literally the explicit target of President Trump. In fact, there's a, counter, a lawsuit now that Amazon has waged basically saying that they were gypped out of a government contract uh, specifically because of the president's animus towards Jeff Bezos and his political views. So, you know, because of the mixed economy we lived in, the fact that the government has so much power in the economy, you know, these guys put themselves on the line. And and so, you know, when you see uh, CEOs like John Allison, like Ken Mollis is a great example. He's an investment banker here in the United States worldwide. He has talked about the importance of Atlas Shrugged and objectivism in his. So, you know, I feel like there's a lot of business people, a lot of successful big and small who want to speak out in favor of, of individualism and in favor of laissez-faire capitalism, but you know we're fighting this prevailing wind that says you know uh, profit is bad, self-interest is immoral, and if you're for Jeff Bezos, you know you're just up for screwing everyone uh, in the favor of the, the greedy billionaires. So it, it starts on that true grass level of changing how people think, so that hopefully the the big executives feel a little more comfortable knowing they're not going to be the target of a government gun. Yeah. I mean, look, I, when, when we're living in a lobby system, it pits us against one another. So like it, you know, when we're living with a political system that picks winners and losers, then of course uh, people start to resent each other. And someone like Jeff Bezos is in a, he's put in a position he did not necessarily ask to be in uh, where uh, some of us, ex- you know, are, are like wanting him to speak out against the lockdowns and other people are condemning him. Uh, for living, you know, for, uh, you know, receiving subsidies, let's say he didn't ask for because the government sort of forces it. I know uh, the objectivist banker, John, Jonathan Allison, uh, I believe after the, the around the time of the 2008 crisis, he, he was basically forced to yes. accept a bailout. Right. So, I mean, the question of like, what should you do in that situation? I think basically borders on a it being a sort of a lifeboat question. You know what I mean? Like you didn't ask to be in this position. And this is not what morality is essentially for. Morality is, it, it calls up, it, it sort of exists in the context of volition, of choice. So you need to advocate for a liberated, a, a, to be living in liberty, at which point you then are free to act morally. So it's, it becomes a bit of a gotcha situation when people are put in a position they didn't ask to be in. And now like uh, one side is condemning them for pushing the other person off the lifeboat the other person is condemning them for not speaking out against the lifeboat. Um, and another person is, is condemning them for uh, jumping off the lifeboat. Um, yeah. And I'll quickly say, here's John Ellison's book. He talks exactly what you said, Rucka, about, you know, we blame the capitalists, but government intervention in the 2008 crisis and also in, in today's pandemic environment, too. I mean, as I said, UK businesses being shut in mass, they're in this tier four lockdown. Amazon is, they're our savior. Thankfully, they're... Uh, they should be speaking out, but we should all should be speaking out against that government intrusion to our lives, uh, left mm-hmm. or right, you know, uh, of every party uh, should understand that the moral is the practical and these lockdowns are terrible short term and long term as well. Thankfully, Amazon yeah. has saved Christmas. I mean, the Internet has made has given a, a fighting chance to a lot of us. I'm definitely uh, worried that the Internet will be destroyed by these anti big tech uh, conservatives and uh, please don't let that happen. I would, I would, I would beg of them. Um, Mary, Mary in the chat room is saying that, yeah, she points out that if only the restaurants could sort of use Amazon the way that a lot of retailers are as, as, as to kind of make up for the difference uh, in as a, 
as a result of the pandemic. And yeah, and but at least they they do have uh, delivery services like Postmates and Uber Eats. That definitely takes a lot of pressure off a lot of them. Unfortunately, a lot of them are still going to go out of business and are going out of business. Very sad, very un, unfortunate and unjust in many cases. Um, but at least technology is allowing them to have that fighting chance in many cases. Um, you know, I've often said in... Uh, whenever my brain is picked on how to spread objectivism, you know, it's this qu ongoing question, how to spread objectivism. Of course, infiltrating the universities is, I think, the, uh, the, final, the final battleground. But I think one thing that can be done as well is send little nuggets of gold to people like Jeff Bezos, you know, or, or, or successful athletes, successful anything, people who stand out and by, by all we can tell, as far as we can tell, they are honest and have achieved what they've achieved by honest means, send them a little nugget of gold and with a handwritten note that says, thank you for what you've done. We admire you, uh, you know, here at the objectivist, whatever, insert name of the objectivist person or organization. We appreciate what you've done. And if you're ever interested in learning more about our philosophy, you know, here's, you know, here, hit us up. What if that's what objectivists did? And then you, you, would, you might see more, you know, Jonathan Honigs and Mark Pellegrinos of the world people who sort of excel in their field start to speak out. You might start to see pe people in Silicon Valley using their platform for good as well. Um, so that could be one way to uh, show people our appreciation as well as, you know, statistically, a few of them might then go on to become passionate, outspoken objectivists, which can uh, really, really benefit the world. Yeah, I mean, you, our viewers are changing the world by participating with us here at the Ayn Rand Center UK by supporting us, by becoming subscribers. And I mean, I, I can't quote it, but you know, Ayn Rand says something to the effect of, you know, how do you change the world? And you speak, you, know, you speak out. So when you hear someone say, oh, you know, we got to crack down on big tech, they're running amok. Someone like, oh, I don't know, the freaking president of the United States, speak out, whether it's your, your friend or, you know, or the president, speak out and say, what are you talking about? Amazon has saved me, they're delivered, they're helping me, they're, they're giving my Christmas gifts, they're saving me money. And, and um, you know, speak out to change that culture. And a little bit at the time we're making inroads, uh, and especially on a day like today, give thanks to those producers who truly make the holiday. Whom without we would be, you know, like the Allies without the Berlin Airlift, starving to death. Jeff Bezos yeah. is delivering the goods, delivering the packages. He and his evil tech entrepreneurs have saved Christmas. They've saved the world. Absolutely. And uh, one other thing I've, I recall Ayn Rand pointing out is that when a company is personally like targeted by bureaucrats, by the government, they should speak out like they should resist vocally. And that will scare off the bureaucrats and they'll be yes. saying in effect, OK, let's leave them alone, because if people see them standing up to us, then other companies and other businessmen will know that that's even possible. So uh, in that respect, so if Jeff Bezos is personally um you know, um, sort of targeted. I hope he does stand up to it, which I think Elon Musk has done. Of course, Elon Musk is a complicated figure. He's both extremely admirable and unfortunately, I think the most subsidized person uh, ever. Uh, I would like to live in a world where the Elon Musks of the world are operating in a purely privatized industry. So let's get there. And let's, in the meantime, show him, show our appreciation for what is good about Mr. Musk. Um, coming up tonight at 10 p.m. UK time, which is 5 p.m. Eastern, the Psychology of the Fountainhead Characters series continues. This time it's episode five, Ellsworth Toohey. Yo, 
You got a you got a couple hours These left. These are to catch really up. interesting discussions, by the way. It's really reignited my love of the Fountainhead, and uh, it's just such a friggin' great book. So I'm so glad the center is doing this, and encourage everyone to check it out. Absolutely, I'll be catching up on the last couple episodes that I fell behind uh, listening to. So uh, I want to be ready and to watch the Ellsworth Tuhi episode coming up in a, in a couple hours here. Yo, listen, uh, the Fountainhead is a rich book. You know, it cannot be emphasized. It cannot be recommended highly enough. It's one of the most recommended novels, I think, in the world. But it's like it's, a, it's basically it's as good as a great comic book in the sense that you start it and you don't want to put it down. Absolutely. If, if you received if you received like an Amazon or Barnes and Noble's gift card and you're stocking this year, the Fountainhead. 100% needs to be the next book you pick up or give it to a friend, give it to somebody else. It's a bit of a bit of a self-serving book, you know, uh, I mean, gift when you give someone a gift that you you want them to read. It's, <laughs> it kind of borders on a little bit of um, uh, like kind of an annoying kind of uh, drive to change people. But in this case, just do it. Just give them the book. You know, <laughs> we'll talk. We'll talk about it later. Um, thank you for joining us. This has been the best Christmas in the history of the daily objective. Um, and obviously it's the first one as well. Hopefully this show gets to live long and prosper. Hopefully this channel, this network, this uh, community gets to live long and prosper. Uh, enjoy your, the, what's left of your Christmas and, uh, uh, and the rest of your week, upcoming weekend. Enjoy that as well. And uh, we'll talk to you. We'll be uh, back here, the daily objective on Monday. Thank you, Jonathan and Merry Christmas.